Good day, everybody. This is Zachary Kameen, the Curious Christian, and these are Curious Conversations. At this moment, I'm on my way to work, getting my bike on, and it is, I think it's like 28 degrees. So, the topic of today, in the midst of this awesome bike ride, which again, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, I do appreciate that while you're on your way to work or on your way from work or making dinner or what have you, you are willing to take the time to uh, or kind of distract yourself during your time, whatever you're doing to uh, listen in on some of these topics. Um, This one uh, is coming from, it's kind of a weird topic for a New Year's podcast, but uh, conversations, especially curious conversations, can, are kind of, I mean, everybody knows, uh, conversations are uh, finicky things, and don't really um, get governed by what day it is. So, that's my excuse for why I'm going to bring up uh, the Constitution, which I've talked about before. I feel the need to talk about it again. Uh, the likes and dislikes and bit his, bit of history. Things I've learned recently. Shoot, things I've learned just today. That uh, can be of some value and worth in considering the U.S. Constitution from other constitutions and what have you. So, uh, with the Constitution, I I find it enjoyable, the Constitution, because of uh, one big reason and a couple small reasons. Well, the big reason that I enjoy it and like it is that nobody who drafted the Constitution was happy with the Constitution. Well, why do I enjoy that? Well, nobody today is happy with the Constitution, right? Uh, Nobody today is pleased with the with everything that's in the Constitution. If they say they are, that means that they haven't read the Constitution. <clears throat> and I am pleased to know that in at least the history of the writing of the Constitution that the writers of the Constitution by the end of their convention were not happy with the Constitution. 
Uh, so it means that our sentiments towards the Constitution are not new. It's not like the Constitution was of the horse and buggy day where everybody with horses and buggies were pleased with having this awesome Constitution and then now it's obsolete and now we don't like it because it's pointless. Uh, this was an these were the arguments that were made in the time of the writing of the Constitution, the drafting of the Constitution, the ratification of the Constitution. Uh, there were people who said, you know, it gives too much power to the states. Others who said it gives too much power to the uh, to the general government, is what they called it then, what we call it the federal government now. Uh, we had people who <coughs> we had people who thought that they gave too much accounting for slaves and other people who believe that the Constitution gave too much value to slaves. Uh, they thought, oh, slave owners thought that the Constitution was an abolitionist document. The abolitionists felt it was a slaveholder's document that uh, solidified the validity, or that validated the slavery. So, like I said, nobody was happy with it. Everybody was mad about it. And if you ask, wonder why, uh, okay, why did it get ratified and nobody liked it? Well, it was because nobody liked it. No one party liked it. So they would say, well, I don't like it, but neither does my opponent. And there are areas where we can, like, so they would say, I don't like this piece of the Constitution for principled reasons, but the Constitution also has this bit that makes it to where that I do like that my opponent does not like. So, for instance, that would be the three-fifths slave clause, counting slaves as three-fifths of a person. Uh, as far as uh, census concerns are made, which uh, the northern states did not like <laughs> because they didn't want slave-holding states to have um, that much power. They, they didn't want slaves to be counted at all because they, want, <laughs> they wanted... But yet, <clears throat> the northern states did want... Uh, this, and this is a complicated situation, so it's hard to totally explain because it doesn't make much sense uh, how James Madison, who was one of the drafters of the Constitution, put it and was the one who penned it out uh, was that the <coughs> northern states who wanted slaves to be declared as full citizens, equal in rights, were also the ones who were mad that st slaves counted at all. While at the same time, Virginians who counted, or not Virginians, but Southerners, uh, the southern states, the slave states, who counted 
uh, slaves as chattel or property uh, also wanted slaves to be counted as full people as far as census requirements are. And so he said there's great contradiction in these uh, men, in these, uh, these desires. First you want, you know, and by, mind you, James Madison was a slave-owning Virginian, and he just thought it was very humorous. Uh, he was against slavery in principle, but not in practice. But he thought it was humorous that those who were against slavery in both principle and practice wanted, constitutionally speaking, slaves to be not counted as people at all, not even three-fifths. And then the Virginians, who didn't count slaves as people, uh, wanted them to be counted as people in their censuses. So that was one area of consternation, contradiction, and all-around annoyance during the convention, the Constitutional Convention, that uh, made for interesting discussions and compromises during uh, the debates on whether or not the Constitution should be ratified or even made it at all. So, when it comes to our Constitution, there is definitely uh, interesting history behind it. Uh, another fascinating piece of uh, controversy that's in it that I am absolutely, that would have absolutely been against for biblical reasons was the uh, clause of uh, the returning of the slave clause. So if a slave runs away, so runaway slave clause, if a slave runs away to another state, a free state, they are mandated, the free state is mandated to return the slave to uh, the slave state so that it in turn can be returned to their master. Uh, this is the most disgusting piece of the Constitution that I rejoice that the Congress and Senate during the time of Abraham Lincoln's uh, presidency uh, ratified amendments to amend that piece out of existence. Uh, the reason why I say for biblical reasons especially do I disapprove of this is because uh, scripturally uh, a runaway slave cannot and shall not be returned to their master. Uh, God prohibits the returning of a slave to their master. Uh, you can't, because the assumption is if a slave is running away, that more than likely the master is not the best of masters. Uh, 
there are a lot of there are a lot of laws in the Bible that manage the slave master even over against uh, the slave. So what what you would see in uh, runaway slaves is so if a a runaway slave comes to your door and says you know my master has abused me has mistreated me has done terrible things to me and my family uh, we have run away and so here we are type of thing uh, you because it's just the one slave, you can't uh, press charges on the slaveholder because you need two to three witnesses to bring a charge against anybody. Uh, the idea of due process comes from this uh, law. But you don't need two to three witnesses to bring in a slave and give him sanctuary and give him uh, a uh, semblance or a time of peace type of thing. You're, you're to bring in, you're to bring in a, a runaway slave and refuse to return him to his master. Now a master can, uh, you know, press charges against the slave or whatever and say, uh, you know, he ran away on deservedly he stole stuff type of thing and then again the slave master has to prove it with two to three uh, non-contradictory witnesses corroborative witnesses and all that the slave gets the same treatment as any other person getting accused and so uh, this is the reason why I'm opposed to uh, that piece of the Constitution that demands slaves be returned to the slave states. Because it's absolutely unbiblical and prohibited by Scripture. And in fact, it is the reason why so many free states refuse to return uh, runaway slaves. Uh, I think it was Massachusetts or Maryland, something like that. Uh, it was one of the first abolitionist states. I think it was uh, Massachusetts. And they just outright said, come and get us. You know, come and get them, I dare you. Um, they outlawed slave catchers those to whom, when a runaway slave ran away, they'd come and get them and take them back to slave states. Well, they were outlawed in those states, those abolitionist states. And so if somebody says, uh, in the Civil War, it wasn't about slavery, it was about states' rights, I understand, but it was also about the, the federal government had to choose between states' rights. <coughs> they had to choose between the right of 
slave states to come get slaves from that ran away and the right of a free state for disregarding a piece of the Constitution and saying, no, we will not let you take slaves out of our state. They are no longer slaves. They are freedmen. They've come to our state. We have freed them. And they are no longer slaves. We understand that if they come back to your state, they'd be considered a slave again. But we strongly encourage them not to return to your state, but as long as they're in our state, under our protection, they shall not and will not be considered slaves. So, these are... That is a very interesting piece of legislation, piece of constitution uh, that I would say was a huge part of the reason why the Civil War was fought, was that part of the Constitution. Was whether or not that, that part of the Constitution was legitimate. The other part was the three-fifths clause, which was again uh, amended out of existence. So both were heinous, were disgusting, but they were not equally heinous and disgusting. I think that the three-fifths was heinous and disgusting because uh, I think you should have, I, I would take the side of the Virginians of if they are unbelieving, uh, if they are non-Christian slaves, then uh, then yes, they, they can be considered uh, property. Uh, they can go down to uh, their descendants, yada, yada, yada. And that's their prerogative to do so. Slave master can free them at any time. But the slaves also uh, has rights equal to any man. The slave is just a status, but it doesn't make them less than human. Uh, they are considered uh, property as far as, uh, and again, this is unbelieving slaves. Uh, why, I say, why do I make a difference? Well, because the Bible makes a difference between believing and unbelieving uh, slaves, and so I will as well, whether you like it or not. Uh, I like it less than I probably should, uh, and hopefully, by God's grace, I'll uh, find the pleasantries of such a law in God's word to be more pleasing than I find it now. But, uh, so, so I say unbelieving slaves. What about believing slaves? Well, believing slaves uh, cannot or only have a, I think it's six year uh, enslavement period. And if I remember correctly, it's not even a full six years necessarily. Uh, but the years are broken up into uh, seven-year increments. 
So it'll be like, you know, 2007, 2014, 2021, on and on. And you can only have those slaves until that seven year period, those believing slaves. And then you are to, at no cost, offer them their freedom. I say offer because a believing slave can volunteer to remain a slave. Now with that, it's, it is, uh, God discourages a believer from or to re-up their enslavement because uh, by, by means of uh, basically you, you, you would pierce their ear <coughs> you'd pierce their ear into the door frame type of thing and for like the whole day and it should declare that they are a slave to you for life basically and so that's a discouragement people say well that sounds terrible it's like it is terrible it's supposed to be terrible Supposedly, absolutely terrible, which is why God commands to do it because it, slavery, full on slavery, is not pleasant. So, uh, why does God create a distinction between believing slaves and unbelieving slaves? Well, because theologically speaking, uh, we are slaves to sin until we become believers and then we're slaves to God. Though there is a recognition of a temporary uh, you know, fighting against or the fighting against the old master of sin whilst here but once we die, we are no longer slaves to sin. Uh, differently with the unbeliever, uh, an unbeliever remains a slave to their sin even in death. Uh, one of my more enjoyable books about something like uh, the infinite slavery of sin, or to sin as an unbeliever, is Dante's Inferno, where the person in death experiences their sin for the rest of their lives in the inferno as a way of and, it, and it's a different kind of hell for each person uh, God gives them up fully to their sin that they loved so much and it becomes a hell to them while the believer in paradise is no longer a slave to sin and can enjoy the blessings and pleasures of heaven. So, moving on from there, uh, so St. Louis, the Constitution is, is, is annoying and is not. Uh, one of, another thing that I find pleasant. I said that there were, that was the one, the one reason why I found it pleasant was that nobody liked it. Uh, 
Another reason why I like it is another compromise is the, the house is based off of popul state population while the Senate is based off of just a straight across the board two for two. So each state gets two. I find this fascinating because I get a laugh at this. Because at the same time, it, it, it coincides with the Electoral College. So I get a laugh at this because every election, presidential election, with the Electoral College, you hear people against the Electoral College. Now, I get some of them. Like, if you're in California, if you're a congressman or a citizen or what have you in California, I understand you. All right, you're, you're a part of a massive state that if you were in control, like if, if, if we let it, majority rules, mob rule, then yes, California and New York would be the only ones that would have to vote. And we already know how they'll vote. But, you know, and, and I understand states like California and New York being frustrated about it. And that's fine. You can be frustrated. You're wrong, but you're allowed. You know, we allow you to be mad. Um, when it comes to electing a uh, when it comes to electing as far as electoral college, it's hinged on the Senate and the uh, House, which is why I found it intriguing that people get upset about it. So when it comes, I find it interesting that people get upset about it, um, especially in places like Vermont. You've seen... Uh, Bernie Sanders getting all up in arms, all hot and bothered about the Electoral College, but he lives in Vermont. Okay, he he lives in one of the smallest populations in the union. I find it funny because he's a he's a senator. He's a senator who lives in Vermont, so he's a Vermontan senator, and he's mad about the Electoral College. But the same reason why he'd be mad about the Electoral College would be the same reason why somebody should be mad about the Senate. I don't see him complaining about the fact that he has equal power to Texas or to California. Uh, there are two Vermont senators, two senators from Vermont. There's also two senators for California, and two senators for Texas and New York, and South Dakota and North Dakota. Everybody gets two senators. Michigan, two senators. Everybody gets two senators. Thus, a hundred senators. And so, I don't understand why 
side. Bernie Sanders, as a senator, would possibly be mad about uh, having an electoral college because the premise or principle of the electoral college is the reason why we care about what he says at all. Because again, it was a compromise. It was a compromise between the the large states and the small states. Right? Large populous states and small populous states. And again, nobody liked it during the drafting. This isn't a new revelation. It wasn't like everybody in the Constitution, the ones who were drafting the Constitution, thought it was such a great idea. And then now we think it's a terrible idea. No, they thought it was a terrible idea then. But they thought it was a terrible idea for, the, for good reasons. Uh, they thought it was a terrible idea. The larger states thought it was a terrible idea because it took away power. The smaller states thought it was a great idea. Small states like uh, Delaware and Vermont was not a state at this time, which I also want to point out for guys like Bernie Sanders, you know, you're welcome. We'd like you to be a state. Uh, but, you know, these, these state issues, these issues with states like uh, dealing this way, this is, this is a non-issue. How many... The, the idea of an electoral college is perfectly legitimate. I personally wish it would go back to the way it was, which was, I think, or it depended on the state, but most states uh, chose their electoral colleges uh, by the legislation, so, or the government, which is kind of what it does now. And but it wasn't a popular vote. Uh, the popular vote didn't matter at all. Technically, the only reason why a popular vote matters now is because uh, it's on the states. The states decide how they're going to divvy up their electoral deals. Uh, I think it's Maine. <laughs> um, they decide, yes, we're going to have a, a election but we're not going to do a winner-gets-all situation. Uh, we're going to divvy it up. So if, so if one party gets 50% and the other party gets 50%, then we'll split it down the middle and give it up that way. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is just not to do an election at all. Uh, and you just let the electoral, um, the electoral college decide. Michigan could just let their 16 or 17 electoral peoples meet in a small room, read over uh, their the two choices or three choices or whatever, and bam, they can vote on it. Say we vote for the Republican, or we vote for the Democrat, or we vote for the Libertarian, or the Green Party. <laughs> and that's that. 
I kind of would like that just because uh, one, it's constitutional, and two, it's far less annoying. Uh, we probably get better candidates. Uh, certainly when we moved it from just the electoral college voting to the, the people having a voice or a vote, uh, the, the, the candidates have not gotten better. <laughs> can, I, can I make that any more clear? The, the candidates have not gotten better. They have gotten far worse. Uh, we, we've got President Trump for crying out loud. And so, uh, but, so I would, I would like the Electoral College to be better. I like the Senate because of how the Senate's set up because it allows Michigan senators to have equal power to New York senators. Though unfortunately, my Michigan senators certainly do not act like they are equal to New York and California and often just follow the lead of New York and California. It's very annoying. Uh, but here we are. Uh, I, so I'll make, it, make the statement again clear uh, as I've done before. I am not a Democrat and I am not a Republican. Uh, I am a theonomist. I believe that God's law is the only. <laughs> I'm the. That was close. Uh, I believe that God's law and God's rule is the only perfect rule. And so. That's where I stand. Uh, I don't like the Republican stance of the pluribus unum from the many one. I also don't like uh, the Democratic mob rule mentality. Uh, the, the, the people are not God. Again, the mob is not God. Uh, God is God, and we are not. God can certainly use the people, uh, as I believe he has, to enact justice. God uses people for that. Uh, I'm not against elections, per se. Uh, I am not against... Uh, I am not opposed to a democratic theocracy, a Christian theocracy. Uh, kings were elected by their people. I mean, I'm Presbyterian, and we elect our elders, we elect our, our church senators, so I'm certainly not opposed <coughs> to the election of peoples. But I want to you know, keep it in perspective uh, we are, the government is not, uh, no. 
The government, yes, is of the people. God is, has not yet come down on high to rule over us. So it is of the people. We are voting our people. We're not voting angels. We're voting humans. And we are, it is by the people. Uh, and it is for the people. I agree with those statements, but I only agree with them as far as they go. And I don't think they go very far. Uh, I also believe that a government should be of God, as in it honors God. It grabs the uh, Presbyterian uh, Catechism, the Westminster Catechism of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Uh, the, the elected official, the government, should seek to glorify God and enjoy Him in their dealings. It should be certainly by the people, a recognition that the people are God's instrument by which he's electing the government. And then all in all, that means that, yes, it is for the people, but it's mainly for God. In the end, it's for God. Again, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of government? chief end of government is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so that does not change simply because we change. That is where I stand and uh, that is why uh, I vote the way that I do, I view the things that I do, what have you. I understand that those who hold to the similar Christian worldview the Christian presuppositions uh, can view things differently. I imagine that they won't be as different as the world would like to think. Uh, I've made this joke before. Uh, believers, we debate about whether or not we should baptize babies or not. Unbelievers debate about whether or not we should kill them. I'll repeat that again. Uh, believers debate about whether or not we should baptize babies. Unbelievers debate about whether or not we should kill babies. So, that is to say, I recognize there are differences between me my brothers and sisters in the Lord, but they are certainly not as violent, as bloody, as the differences between a communist and a libertarian. No matter what their worldview is. Alright, I will talk with you again later. God bless you guys. I appreciate, again, all your listenershipness. Uh, if you want to continue this conversation, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, just look me up at Zachary Kameen. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Zachary Kameen. Or 
you can email me at you know, ZacharyKameen at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to this channel. So to uh, catch up on all the podcastings, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. I haven't posted any videos lately, but there are a lot of really good resources as far as uh, my views on Islam, my views on atheism, defending the Bible, um, my views on politics and all, what have you. Uh, continue this conversation, guys. God bless you. Drink your coffee and come to Jesus. Take care.